This episode of On The Beat is brought to you by Ingles. Shop online with Ingles Curbside Pickup. New curbside stores opening every week. Please welcome Mike Griffith. Well, hey everybody, Mike Griffith here and welcome to tonight's Ingles On The Beat program and some Georgia football and some Alabama football to talk about. Obviously, the Crimson Tide making a lot of headlines and a lot of news with Nick Saban's retirement last Wednesday. I guess it's been five days now. The sun keeps coming up in Tuscaloosa. And Kalen DeBoer, the new head coach from Washington, some debate over whether he was the first choice, the second choice, the third choice. Uh, Interesting hire by Alabama. I, I think probably on paper the best hire. And I don't know that really there would have been a safer hire, but yet this is somewhat risky because this is a guy who doesn't have any ties to the Southeastern Conference. I almost feel like Alabama needed to be aggressive with this hire and take a chance, as opposed to a guy who really hasn't coached that much in the FBS ranks. Um, You know, he's been at Washington two years, both years with Michael Penix and some NFL receivers, 25-3 and with the Huskies. Pretty impressive team last year. Uh, At Fresno State, only 12-6, and though. Not sure how you feel about that. Should a should a great coach go twelve and six? In fact, just a few years ago, he's coaching at Fresno State in Bryant Denny Stadium, and he loses forty one to ten. Can Kalen DeBoer have been that great of a coach that he was somewhat anonymous at that point? But three years and two years with Michael Penix later, he's the guy that's tasked with replacing Nick Saban. I think that's interesting. I wrote a column for DogNation.com saying that I thought. Greg Byrne, the Alabama athletic director, probably should have talked to two other coaches. Mike Loxley is one of them. And people say, what do you mean, the Maryland coach? Look at his record. Look at what he did at New Mexico. And I say, well, you know what? This is a coach who um, is pretty aggressive, who's pretty fiery. I oversaw the 2018 Alabama offense that set records with Tua during the regular season. I mean, that was an unbeatable team uh, until Tua got hurt against Georgia in the SEC title game. I I thought he deserved an interview as well, and certainly you want to uh, be diverse in the candidates you consider. Um, So that kind of bothered me a little bit that he didn't even get an interview. And I said Dabo Sweeney too, and I know Dabo was a very polarizing figure, but with Dabo, you have a two-time national champion that beat Nick Saban twice. Now you might say he's a few years removed from that, And I would suggest that's because he's at Clemson that doesn't have the facilities, that doesn't have the NIL money, that can't keep up through the NIL channels. Dabo tried to do it internally uh, a little bit more to the extreme than Kirby, and it didn't fare well for Clemson. But I feel like if you at least interview Dabo, if you at least show him that respect, then you kind of satisfy the old guard. And Alabama people or excuse me, Georgia fans are saying, well, why do we care about all this? Well, because this is the program you've got to get by. And turmoil and challenges for Alabama indirectly benefits Georgia. Great example of that was the big win that Kirby Smart scored today, getting Traveris Robinson, the Alabama secondary coach. And T-Rob is a guy that the recruits know, and he's a recruit that the players know. And you want to know why? Take a look at the draft board. You're going to see two cornerbacks that are projected first-round picks that Traveris Robinson developed and coached. And that's what players want. They want a, a coach that can get them to the next level, that can teach them and coach them up to become first-round picks. You might say, well, Mike, that's that's just two Bama guys. 
Okay, let's turn back the clock to 2019, the last time Georgia lost a home game. Do you know who the defensive coordinator was under Milt Will Muschamp in 2019? Traveris Robinson. Remember those three Jake Fromm interceptions? Did you know Jake hadn't thrown an interception in the first five games? I believe there was a first or second round cornerback on that team too. Look, this is a guy that can develop talent and just 42 years old brings a lot of energy. You may wonder, well, what about Will Muschamp? Will Muschamp is a fantastic coach. I think Will Muschamp was absolutely pivotal to the 2021 team, the way he was able to step into that full-time role. He didn't sign up for that when he first came. He was going to be an analyst, remember? But then Will got into that role. I thought he did a tremendous job. Everybody I've talked to said Will Muschamp just brought a ray of sunshine into that building. Players loved him. Remember how Lewis Seen carried on about Coach Muschamp and how important he was and route to him becoming a first-round pick? Well, Coach Muschamp has another son headed for Nashville. And there's a lot of talk that Coach Muschamp wants to spend some time with his family. So he's not going to be as involved. He's at a point in his life where he wants to spend more time around his family. So this is a good thing for Will Muschamp. And Traveris Robinson is his protege. I mean, this is his Frankenstein. This is a guy that Will hired at Florida to coach DBs under him. This is a guy that Will brought to South Carolina. And so this is a guy who has learned under Will Muschamp, much like Glenn Schumann has learned under Kirby Smart. So I think this is a tremendous marriage. I think that bringing in a 42-year-old Traveris Robinson, who's an incredible recruiter, who's great working with young people, I think this works extremely well. And I think, I don't want to say upgrade, but I do think the staff is stronger, right? Because of that youth, because of that surge, simply because this is where Coach Muschamp is at. So to me, a great hire. Robinson also uh, all-SEC safety at Auburn in 2002, played in the NFL. He's got one-up Kirby there. Kirby didn't make it to the league. So uh, to me, just a great hire. And it's Georgia 1, New Alabama, nothing. And I, and I got to say it's scoreboard because earlier today, talking to some my friends, Georgia friends, we were discussing it. They were getting a little upset. They were getting a little chippy when I was saying, if Bama holds this guy, Kirby and Georgia will have egg on their face. This is a very important hire. Georgia cannot publicly lose to Kalen DeBoer. Kirby's already announced this guy as a position coach. And then all of a sudden he goes back to Alabama. All of a sudden, people are looking at the scoreboard. Two quarterback decommits in two months, and then you lose. A, and they were getting angry. I said, look, don't get mad at me. You know, don't, don't hate the player, hate the game, right? This is Georgia against Alabama. And somebody's going to win for Traveris Robinson, and somebody's going to lose. And it's as simple as that. This is Kirby's first choice, and you're either going to win or lose with him. And for a while, people were a little nervous that Georgia was going to lose on this. And then the question would be, why would he go back to Bama and DeBoer, an unknown, versus coming to a Georgia program that's lost two games in three years where his mentor has coached? So a uh, very interesting battle, the way it played out. Chris Lowe, uh, Chris very close to agents, uh, particularly Jimmy Sexton. He reported that uh, Traveris Robertson is staying, and, and that's big. Huge win for Georgia football. OK, make no mistake about it. Typically, when we talk about assistant coaches, we don't look at that as wins and losses. Right. We say, oh, this guy wanted to go here. This guy. This was huge. This was out for everyone to see. And all the Alabama fans were saying, ha ha, Alabama's playing chestnut checkers. And I'm thinking, man, 
I just can't imagine Kirby announcing this guy and losing him. Kirby's not usually wrong like that, um, but there was a lot of competition. Alabama realized that if they didn't keep this guy, they could lose more players. Caleb Downs is a guy a lot of people are talking about, and I don't know that he ends up at Georgia or anywhere else, uh, but certainly losing his position coach, uh, that's big. I mean, these kids sign up to play for these coaches, right? I mean, these Alabama players, they signed up to play for Nick Saban. And, and, you know, Kalen DeBoer, watching his press conference, he seems like a really nice guy, all right? You know what his maxim is? Winners win because that's what winners do. Oh, boy. You know, after Nick Saban for 17 years and all this incredible philosophy about our self-standard for excellence that makes you go, wow, I never thought about it. Like, I listen to Nick Saban, and, and I'm ready to do a better job, right? I'm ready to really – just change my life for the better in every aspect. He's an incredible motivator. Nick Saban, as good as he is as a football coach, he's a tremendous philosophical leader. And I look at Kalen DeBoer and I go, eh, you know, Boy Scout leader. Seems like a nice guy. Well, you know, he had that great record at Sioux Falls. Okay, 67-3 and three against who? I mean, other South Dakota, North Dakota schools? Have you ever watched a Sioux Falls game? Any of you? Can you tell me anything about Sioux Falls NIA football? Did you ever hear of Sioux Falls NAIA football? Ever? Can you get can you stream it anywhere? Is there anywhere you can listen to it on the radio? Maybe uh I don't know what do they call that? The CB? I, where can you get Sioux Falls? And I, I'm sorry to make light of it, but it it it's it's not relevant. It doesn't translate. Now what he's done in the FBS ranks has, has been pretty impressive. I mean, 12 and six at Fresno, that's, that's pretty good. Uh, you know, this run at Washington, but, but I ask like how much of that's him and how much of that is Michael Penix? How much of that is having a special quarterback? I mean, I know Michael didn't look good in the championship game because of all that pressure Michigan brought, but do I believe Jalen Milrow is as good as Michael Penix? Do I believe that Alabama can run all the motions and shifts and that they have a quarterback that can check down and make decisions like Michael Penix? I don't. But I think Jalen Milrow is very talented. Um, but I don't even know that he's the, the quarterback of the future. I'm not even sure he's going to be the guy. Didn't, didn't the former Mississippi State guy go back in the port? Is that fit Kalen DeBoer's offense? Can DeBoer wrap his offensive scheme around Jalen Milrow? And who's going to be left? Isaiah Bond, the guy that had like three or four catches on what proved to be the game-winning drive, and yes, the fourth down catch. The Buford kid, he's already gone. He's in Texas. He's checked out. You've lost your best assistant coach, which could lead to leading more players in the portal. And we're going to talk with Ryan Fowler from Tide 100.9 in a minute. Ryan is my go-to guy in Tuscaloosa. He's going to tell us what's going on at Alabama here in just a few minutes. We're going to want to hear who's in the portal and where their challenges are at. But as I sit here from 10,000 feet and I look at the Alabama program, I realize they're not the threat anymore. Texas is the threat. Texas is the threat. Make no mistake about it. Hey, you don't believe me? Go back and Google the Texas-Alabama game this year. Texas won by 10 points in Tuscaloosa. I don't want to hear Nick spin it. Listen, with all due respect to Coach Saban, this wasn't a great coaching job this year. It was a poor coaching job. They lost by 10 points at home the second game of the season. 
they weren't prepared. Jalen Milrow's not a freshman. He's not even a second-year player. He's a third-year player. They had the whole offseason a game plan with this guy. And they still had to bench him? Okay, sorry, that's not good. That's bad. That's a poor job being ready for the start of the year. Now they caught their second breath and the talent kicked in, and they ran into a Georgia team that went through three top 25 teams and an angry nest of yellow jackets on the road. That was tough. Georgia didn't look fast. Georgia looked tired. McConkie slow. Bowers off, right? Just one month later, it looked like a different Georgia team that romped over Florida State 63-3. to And, oh, by the way, who would have ever thought a coach could get a raise after a game like that? We will talk about that at the end of the program in the final segment. But uh, looking at where Georgia stands right now, they passed Alabama, no question about that. Texas is going to be a challenge. Georgia's got work left to do in the portal. They've got work left to do at key positions. They're not where they need to be to win a national championship next year, I don't think. I don't think so. As much as Carson Beck coming back means and as much as Trevor Etienne means, dogs got work to do. But they're past Alabama. Texas is going to be the hurdle. That's going to be the tough game. We're going to talk about those different road games at the uh, third segment of this program. I'm going to go right down the schedule and tell you who I think the toughest games are. Um, one other note, I wrote this story today, and I guess I've kind of gone back through the, the clips over the last couple of years. I guess I've kind of become the unofficial Matt Stafford writer. Um, and, and listen, I, I grew up largely in Michigan, I'm born in Mobile, Alabama, uh, but grew up in Michigan. And I was never a Lions fan. I did cover the Lions in college for a little while. Uh, understand the importance of that game. But if there's one guy you can't boo if you're the Detroit Lions, it's Matthew Stafford. This guy and his family have given millions to that community. They gave a million dollars uh, a year ago. Even they don't, they don't even live there anymore. You got to have some common sense, people. And I'm not saying that they needed to come to their feet and cheer for Matt Stafford. But booing is different, okay? Booing is negative and bad. And I don't care how much beer they drink or how much alcohol they consumed. That was ignorant, and it was shameful. And if I was Kelly Stafford, um, I'd be really disappointed um, to know that Matthew and her and that family gave so much to that area, and that area needs it, folks. Let me tell you, that is an economically challenged area. Uh, and what the Staffords did was just tremendous, just tremendous charity to be booed. I, 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 I didn't like that. I, I wrote a story. Listen, Matthew handled it incredibly well. Um, they should cheer for Jared Goff. Um, he is their quarterback. I agree with Matthew. But if you're going to boost Stafford, then get your charitable donations from the Goff family moving forward, okay? Because that was disrespectful and unnecessary, and I don't care how much they wanted to win. That was shameful and unnecessary and a really bad look because Matthew Stafford and his wife have done tremendous things, things that other people don't do. Uh, they're on a Peyton Manning level of giving. Um, you just don't see it that often. So uh, that, that was tough. And, and you, there's a poll out. I think about 72% of the people said they thought the booing was not good. Um, and then I think there was 28% that, that said, well, it's a, it's a playoff game and whatever. To me, that's the difference between college football and the NFL. Um, so those were a couple of the items that I was thinking about. Uh, very interesting. Um, going to talk with Ryan Fowler uh, in just a moment 
Um, ask Ryan all sorts of questions about the Crimson Tide. I want to get to them right now. If you've got questions, ask them, and, and Kaylee Manziel uh, will put those on the screen. If you have questions about Alabama for Ryan Fowler, I'll tell you what, I don't have any questions about Ingles because I know – Every time I go to Ingalls, what I'm going to get, and that's great service that I can rely on and depend on. And right now, I want to take this moment and recognize our sponsor, Ingalls. Did you know that Ingalls sells more organics than any other store, or that they run their own dairy, or that they only serve USDA choice and prime meat? Did you know that they have more local craft beer than any place else, or that they have energy smart stores, or that they professionally slice and package imported cheese from Europe? Did you know about their giant international aisle, local farm partnerships, curbside pickup, wine department, or that they donate 3,956 meals a day to local food banks? Well, now you do. It's all in the bag. Ingles, low prices, love the savings. Well, welcome back. And I'm, I'm joined by Ryan Fowler. And Ryan, thanks for joining us, Ryan. 19 years uh, covering Alabama at uh, 100.9, tied 100.9. Ryan, is, if I recall, didn't you go live for like seven hours at some point this week on the radio? I did. I did. And I did. I, I'll be in some better light right here in just a couple seconds. But uh, yes, I did. I went for... So the day that Nick Saban retired, uh, that announcement came down, you know, via Chris Lowe. I went for six hours that particular night, and we went off at 8 o'clock. And then when Kayla DeBoer got on the ground uh, Friday night, we actually went for another seven hours. So we went on at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and we came off the air at 9 o'clock. So we went seven hours, and it was everything that you would think it would be is we were pretty hectic. We were pretty hectic for, you know, a lot of the time. And uh, we spent a lot of time, you know, kind of digesting. You know, I think the world was in shock. I mean, I got to be honest with you, Mike. I mean, you've been in the business a lot longer than I have. But it was one of those where where we took – it was – you ever read a story and you're almost like, I want to see a confirmation of it? Like, I mean, I'm – because – there's so many of these fake accounts. I mean, I'm sure you've probably got a fake Mike Griffith out there that wants to put up stuff. I, I see it. I know there's one that's called Evil Ryan Fowler that puts stuff out there from time to time. But I'm just making sure that it's real, right? I'm going, is this really Chris Lowe's account? Is this really Chris Lowe's account? So it's a, um, it was a pretty big topic of conversation. And, you know, coaching searches are never fun from a media perspective. I mean, it is, you know, trying to chase where – Greg Byrne was at and you're you know you're getting all type of information but you're trying to decide what's true and what's false um you know is this really real is this the target and then all the coaches that want to use Alabama to get a, a raise right you got to follow those and you're like hold on Mike Nervell turned it down well Mike Nervell was never offered the job he was never a candidate uh but that's what they do in the world of coaching and uh that's what we do on the media side of things yeah, well, we learned with, from Kirby Smart, even if a player says he's in a portal, it doesn't mean he's in a portal. So it's kind of scary when, when, when things can be true but not true and uh, because things change so fast, Ryan, to your point. Things are very fluid. And, and, and listen, I don't know where Kalen DeBoer was on the list, I guess. And, and I said this at the start of the program. I was a little disappointed. And maybe, maybe, maybe the dog and pony show isn't the way anymore, but I wanted to see Mike Loxley. I, I want to see some diversity. I wanted to see someone considered and, and, and I wanted Dabo Sweeney for the old, I wanted these guys to at least have a conversation, but it just almost seemed like Byrne had this, this spreadsheet 
And uh, listen, DeBoer is a guy that's that's won. Uh, well, so let me back up a little bit. First of all, how surprised were you on a scale of 1 to 10 that Nick Saban retired after this season? 10 being most surprised, 1 being least. 10 out of 10. I, I can't think of anything any higher. Mike, there's so many people in our business that will tell you, I knew that it was coming. Right. Well, I mean, i got to go back and take Nick Saban on his word. He said at 355, he told Reese Davis, he said at 355, I'm on the phone, the 4 o'clock meeting, he said I did not know at that point whether I was going to retire, that he was still debating it. His daughter didn't even know that that he was going to announce that he was retiring. I mean, she was on a flight to Orlando to go back to Disney World. And so if, if, if she didn't know, and Miss Terry, you know, is sitting there debating on the phone, I can't tell you that I, I knew. But let me say this, 10 out of 10, but as I look back, there was things that the way that he coached, he almost coached with very little pressure. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that. And I noticed relax, and he was not this uptight. So looking back, there was probably some signs, but I just thought it was him changing as a football coach. I thought it was him, you know, looking at, you know, the adjustment of college football. I know that many times people would say, you know, they only have, you know, it's all business over at Tuscaloosa. And I just thought he was adjusting to make it look like, hey, I'm having more fun. I'm having more fun. But at the end of the day, I look back and I reflect on that. And I'm thinking, you know what? There were some signs out there. I was in California. We went out uh, on the 25th. And so we were out there and I got no hints that, you know, yeah, there's always scuttle, right? I mean, I've chased so many Nick Saban retiring stories. I I lose track with, with, you know, every time I'm going to a radio show, they're like, is this Nick Saban's final year? And, you know, I I also understand that he's got to sell it to those recruits that he told that he was going to be there. He, He can't just come out here and say, guys, I've been thinking about it for six months. You know, I knew in August that this was my final year because, you know, he convinced a lot of recruits to come to, to campus, right? I mean, you look back at, what, number two re- recruiting class behind Georgia? So he's got to be able to sell that. He's got to be able to tell you that he was not debating that. But i got to be honest, um, I didn't see it coming. It was a 10 out of 10. Mm-hmm. I was as shocked. I mean, literally, my mouth was wide open. I was just sitting there like in <laughs> shock. I mean, I'll, I can send you the audio. You need to listen to it, Mike, because I was on with John McClain, the old Houston Chronicle veteran. yeah. yeah. Um, and so I had John on, and I stopped John, and I said, John, I've got some news here that I'm about to break um, into – and he, you could tell he was, like, freezing up. I was like, John, just hold on a minute. I want to make sure that I'm not looking at a fake Chris Lowe account. And then I hit him with the news, and he went, well, Ryan, you got plenty to talk about for the next couple of minutes. He goes, I'll let you go. And, and just as a true professional that John – for those who don't know John McClain, he's Houston Chronicle for 45 years. Now he does another – website out there but I mean, he is the veteran of all veterans and he said well let me just say this that Nick Saban is the greatest ever walked the sidelines and uh, Ryan we'll talk again very very soon looks like you've got bigger fish to fry and I just kept repeating myself at the age of 72 Nick Saban retiring from college football and wow. you know I hope we'll get into it Mike um, you know I often think about what forced Nick Saban to retire you know it wasn't Kirby Smart it wasn't you know Lane Kiffin it wasn't Sark out of Texas when I look at the world of college football that we're living in now, it's chaos. It's chaos. It is. And if, some, if someone is programmed as Nick Saban, I had a coach on, Coach Pete Jenkins, on Wednesday night. I sent him a message, and he cried on the air. And he said, I hope we realize 
that we just took a coach that is not afraid of working, that works from the sun up to the sun down and even beyond. He said, we literally just forced him out of the game of college football. Wow. He said, the, you know, when you think about the world of college football, and I know he's an old school coach, but he said, you think about the chaotic side. And, you know, and, and really, if you think about, you know, Kirby and Nick Saban, they may be differences on other topics, but they were actually pretty synced up with this topic. If yeah. you heard some of the things that Kirby said and some of the things that Nick said, if you substituted the voice, they were almost spot on with the identical side of this. This is college football, but it's just a different level of college football. So, and it, so it, it's this, a Brian, now, now that it now that now that Nick is gone and it was a fascinating exit. And yet when I turned on the press conference, he's sitting right there in the front row in the middle. And I'm thinking, you know, and now as I speak to you, it's almost like what if you did a radio show and Eli Gold was sitting there three feet from you? And, and listen, for those that don't know Eli Gold, I mean, obviously the voice of Alabama for years and years and years. And, and I hold Ryan in the highest regard. But my point is he's a legend. He is a legend, but does it affect Kalen DeBoer? Like, to me, just Nick Saban just being there. He didn't meet – whether he meant to or not, he's Nick Saban. He upstages the guy. And DeBoer, as I said before you got on there, I know he's a good coach, Ryan, but he seems – I mean, who doesn't seem somewhat ordinary? He seems very ordinary. Is there some concern that you can't really fill Nick Saban's shoes when he's still in them right there in Tuscaloosa with an office in the stadium? Well, and, and I'll say this, I, I wonder how much Nick Saban is going to be limited with what he's able to do. Like, I don't know if Nick Saban is going to be this guy that's going to be in the office, you know, three days a week. I think it's more of a transition that he's going to help him in some areas. Uh, maybe, you know, it's kind of like Ozzie Newsom taught Nick Saban the fight song back in 2007 and, and taught him things about the tradition of Alabama. I think what it is is Nick was an outsider to the University of Alabama, and Kalen DeBoer is an outsider, right? He doesn't know about their tradition. I, I think that's where Nick is going to be useful. We don't even really know his title. But I, let me say this, Mike, and, and not trying to disagree with you, but what if Nick Saban is not there? To me, that's probably a louder message if he's not there to on Saturday. You know, what if Nick Saban is like – so it almost looked like he was passing the torch. And – but I did watch O Nick up front on the on the front row. That foot's just tapping ninety to nothing. His arms are crossed. I mean, it's like the first time he's ever been in the room and he's not in charge. Right. I mean, that's a weird that's a weird environment. So but I don't I just don't think I mean I talked to a couple of people who know Nick Saban and they don't think that, you know, he's a guy that, you know, Miss Linda makes the coffee when he walks in and you know, she turns on the computer and all these different things. He's not gonna have that. So it's like, you know, from a fundraising standpoint, I think he'll probably be in that area, but I don't see him. You know, I think about the stadium parking, you know, where, where he's going to park. Is he just going to come strolling across campus? You know, because from where the stadium parking lot is, there's, there's really no parking spaces. So I just can't imagine Nick Saban just walking across campus to get to the office inside the stadium I think it's going to be a very limited role, and that's just a yeah. guess. It's not, I don't really have any, you know, sources. I don't think anybody does at this point, but I think it'll be a very limited role. 
what is what does DeBoer have? I mean, didn't he have Will Rogers from State committed to him at, at Washington? Wasn't he going to be up there? And is there any chance he comes to? Th- I mean, give me a look at a profile, and I know that Bond's already gone to the portal, but w- give me kind of a, a, a crib notes profile of what Alabama foot lo- football looks like with the guys coming back that, that we know position starters. Well, I think offensively, you know, let's start at the quarterback spot. Certainly, you got Jalen Melrose, but he's going to have to take a significant step. Because when you think about him fitting in on what Kalen DeBoer is going to be able to bring on the offensive side of the football, I had Warren Moon on the show on on Friday. And I asked him, I said, um, I'd like for you to share some characteristics that you think he looks for in a quarterback. And I'm not saying that Jalen Milrow can't get there. That's not what I'm saying. But it's almost in your mind, you're sitting there going, okay, he's got this, but he doesn't have this. He's got this, but he doesn't have this. Jalen Milrow, if he is the starter in 226 days, I think it is, uh, to Alabama's first game, <laughs> he's going to have to really take a big step. And it may be, you know, the change that we saw from August to Alabama beating Georgia in the SEC title game, that was a drastic change from Jalen Milrow, right? I mean, it was a significant growth from where, you know, we're talking about a young man who was benched uh, as a starter, and he, he really kind of flipped the script, right? Yeah. He's going to have to do that times two if, if he's really going to fit in with what Kendall DeBoer is going to do. He's going to ask a lot more. And I was talking to a quarterback coach um, out on the West Coast that knows Kalen, and he said, man, he's going to put so much on them. He, he said his quarterbacks have got to be able to do a lot of stuff, you know, whether it's pre-reading, the timing routes. He said There's, they're going to be very stressed. Um, you know, I, I think. Oh, I think we lost Ryan there for a second there. Uh, the Alabama quarterback situation is what we've been discussing. Uh, the direction of the Crimson Tide, very important. Ryan joins us now, and Ryan, yeah. you're telling us about Milrow. What about in the backfield? Look like some young talent. How many starters back on the line, and what's left in that receiving core? Well, you get Tyler Booker back uh, when you think about you know that for a couple of minutes. Tyler Booker is a big-time guard that's going to be – uh, they are Caden Proctor. We all know the freshman, uh, All-American. You know, it, I say All-American. I think he was All-SEC guy, freshman All-SEC. Yeah. He, was not, he was not a freshman All-American. But Caden um, Proctor struggled at times with pressure. Uh, I think there – you need to find a center. That's your big – that's your big – Oh, yeah, that was a big thing. Port, is that a portal thing or is, is that a portal thing maybe after spring? I'm kind of surprised they don't have one yet. Yeah, I, I think so. I think you got to look at a um, you, you got to look at a center. Uh, and and in there. the backfield, isn't Justice Haynes back? Is he expected to come back, or is he a potential portal portal guy? Yeah, no, I, I think Justice Haynes will be back because I, I think he'll be a featured back in, in in Tuscaloosa. I think he's. I think it's probably one of the reasons why you saw Roy Dell Williams go into the transfer portal. That's right, I think you saw. You know, Jace McClellan go there even prior to Nick Saban's retirement. So I think Justice Haynes will be a big part of it. I think Jam Miller, uh, Jamarian Miller is going to be a big part of it. Now, wide receiver, you're a little bit, I wouldn't say depleted, but you lost a Mari uh, Nablock over the weekend. You lost Isaiah Bond, which caught the 31-yard oh, yeah. pass against Auburn. So you're a little bit, but, you know, like guys like Kobe Prentice uh, is a guy that I would keep an eye on. Um to really step up, but really this wide receiver room has not been where it is needed to be. Oh, no, not since 2020. And then, and then then defensively, 
I saw that T Rob had two first, you got two cornerbacks that are projected in the first round that are leaving. What's the front Fair seven enough. look like? Cause the Bama front seven really did a good job stopping George in short yards. Are they losing guys or are they going to be pretty thick and pretty full? No, you're going to lose quite a bit of guys up there. You, you're going to get your linebackers back. Jahad Campbell, Deontay Lawson's going to come back, but you, you lose your two edge guys. Your guys with Chris Braswell and Dallas Turner, they're both gone. So you're, you're going to be pretty thin right there. You may have to go out and get an edge guy because if you can't impact the quarterback, you got to be able to put pressure on the quarterback. So uh, they do have Keon Keeley, which was a five-star last year that's been in the system. He's still trying to you know, gain some weight and try to get him ready. to. He, he could be a guy that you could look at. Linebackers, you're going to be okay. Um Safety, as long as you can keep Caleb Downs, I think That's you're the big one. What's the story That's, with him? What, do, what are your thoughts? Is he going to stay? Is he going to go? What's the determining factor? Well, I think it's all about who you're going to be able to name on the defensive coordinator side. And I've not really heard a definite name. I mean, I literally hung up the phone about a minute before I jumped on with you trying to find out anything I possibly could about, you know, who's going to be the defensive coordinator at Alabama. And I've heard a lot about um, some – possible options and we could throw those around a little bit Kane Womack's a guy at South Alabama that was a defensive coordinator at Indiana when Kalen DeBoer was there could they you know, let me ask you something you know Jeremy Pruitt has a show cause that, that just means he can't recruit C- couldn't you bring him in as an analyst though I mean this is a guy that won national championships that understands Alabama that recruits the South as well as anybody. I mean, he had 17 of those guys he recruited at Tennessee that were on their team that reached number one. He he won national championship games. He's coached at Georgia. He knows all most all the offenses in the SEC. Why wouldn't Alabama just hire him as an analyst and say, okay, you know, we'll, we'll take that one-year deal where he's not there on game day just to have him there in the office and working with the guys all week? Well, listen, you won't find a bigger – fan of Jeremy Pruitt than I am. Uh, him and I are from the same area. We're, we're probably about 15, 20 minutes apart. When you look at Jeremy Pruitt, I think really if you think about it, he took a lot of the bullet for Tennessee. Oh, my. Um, he took all the bullet. And that's all, all of it. Because if you look at the testimony, the only thing that they actually tied to him was a, a player's mom that said she got $3,000 and, and and it was a, and that was, and they, and we're looking at today's world, Ryan. It's almost like if we look at what was happening in Alabama, or excuse it's me, it's a joke. Look, it was happening everywhere. Let's just be honest. It just, you know, a five-year show, like you said. So to me, if you, if I'm Alabama and I'm DeBoer, I'm Saban, I'm on the phone with Greg Sankey saying, okay, so a five-year show cause means what? He can't recruit. Okay, uh, so one year he can't be there on game day but he can still be an analyst and be in the office all week. I mean, why wouldn't you do that? Regardless of who you hire, why wouldn't you want him sitting in that room with all that institutional knowledge and that Rolodex of coaches? It it just seems really simple to me. Well, I listen, you, you won't find a bigger fan of Jeremy Pruitt. And, and this is probably not going to set well with dogs. I think Jeremy Pruitt was a better coordinator than Kirby Smart. Wow, that so, is the you have thrown down the gauntlet, my friend. If, hey, listen, if, if listen. this feed doesn't explode right now, hey, listen, <laughs> I, I look at him because you know, over in Tuscaloosa, we called it third and Kirby, right? He would stop them on first and second down, and then third down, he would give them up. We used to call it third and Kirby. I mean, that's what it was because, and I understand Nick Saban was a big part of that defensive side of the football. 
But when Jeremy Pruitt came back to Tuscaloosa, the secondary problems were fixed. I mean, th- th- they were giving up a lot of mega plays uh, there. So when you look at Jeremy Pruitt for a couple of minutes, listen, you know, I, I, I look at it and I think about the NCAA. And I, th- I just laugh, you know, with, when you look at all these different things about the NCAA. But, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll say this. Um, you know, we, we really never heard Jeremy Pruitt's side of the story, right? We've heard Tennessee's side of the story. You almost wonder if Greg Sankey would say, keep your mouth shut. We'll let you come back in the league. Sure. You go, you go be Alabama because, uh, you know, if I was a Tennessee fan, I'd probably be very nervous. Uh, well, think about this. I look at it like this. I look at the Hugh Freeze background and what he did, and he's Golly, a head coach at Auburn, and I compare that to Jeremy Pruitt in Tennessee. It's so much fun, Ryan, to talk to you. Let me ask you, and I've, I've made this declaration, and for people who don't know, I do Ryan's radio show off, and – and I dropped and you're great. him like he just dropped on us with the Jeremy Pruitt Kirby thing. So Ryan's enjoying this because it goes both ways. I'm always going on Tuscaloosa Radio making all these comments. Uh, so this is good. But, but it's truth. It's truth serum. And it's it's two different lenses and two different perspectives. And Ryan's been there 19 years and he's not a hater, folks. This is not a guy that just says stuff for, for a reaction. And, you know, Jeremy. No, I love what Kirby means to Tuscaloosa. But, but truthfully, I mean, I saw ESPN rank the all-time Alabama defenses. And Jeremy Pruitt's defense was ranked ahead of Kirby's by ESPN. The proof's in the pudding. We'll see how it turns out. Let me ask you this. Who is the team to beat in the SEC next year? Give me your top three teams right now in the SEC in 2024. Well, I think I start right there in Athens. I don't I think, think George is number one in the SEC. Oh, I don't. I don't think it's even close. I, I just mm-hmm. think it's. I think George is out there by a country mile. Um, oh wow! When when you think about, you know, I want to see if Eli Drinkowitz is able to continue this at the Missouri Tigers. I, I know that when you look at this year. But if you're asking me right now, okay, when you, when you look at Alabama, I'd probably put Alabama in there just simply because of talent, maybe at number three. But I, I'd almost look at that second spot. Listen, I, I'm a guy that when I look at Lane Kiffin, I was a huge fan wow. of, of Lane Kiffin. You've got Ole when, Miss two? I don't know if I'd have him at two, but, I mean, who else would we have at Texas? two? Texas? Well, see, see, I've got to get that transition word in there, right? It's it's Texas. Um but, but I also look, Florida, no. South Carolina, no. Tennessee, no. Kentucky, no. Oklahoma, they, they've lost a ton out there. Yeah, it's I'm be... not sure about drinking the Drinkowitz, though. Drinkowitz Kool-Aid. I'm not well, drinking I... Drinkowitz Kool-Aid. That running back meant an awful lot to them. He I... did. He did. Um, I think it's going to be a jumbled up mess. But I think Georgia's out there by – a long shot. So now I'm trying to make up with make it up with these uh, Georgia fans. Maybe they will <laughs> make me have a miserable evening after what I said about Kirby. But you're uh, going to find your Twitter account, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, at Ryan C. Fowler. I love you guys. I appreciate you guys. But uh, but no, I mean when I look at Georgia right now, I mean you think about it until Caitlin DePore proves that he can coach in this league. Um, why not Georgia? Think about how big that game will be oh. when Georgia comes to Tuscaloosa. You know, it's almost unfair to say, Caitlin DeBoer, you've got to win this game. You've got to be able to beat Georgia to show us that, that you can really tough it out here. But in a lot of ways, 
Look at that schedule from Alabama next oh, year. Yeah. You got to go to Madison, Wisconsin. You got to go to Norman, Oklahoma. You got Georgia coming here. You got to go to Tennessee. You got the Missouri Tigers coming here. You got to go to Baton Rouge. I mean, guys, that schedule, maybe that's why Nick Saban retired. He looked at that schedule and he said, No, I ain't staying around here. Forget it. I'm that's not going. Two or three losses. Traveris Robinson is a guy that kind of bounced back and forth. Again, he developed two first-round corners. He'll be a co-defensive coordinator here. Lots of reports that he went back to Tuscaloosa, Bama, trying to keep this guy to be a coordinator. How big of a get is this for George, in your opinion? Absolutely big. Listen, I now I look at T-Rob as a defensive coordinator. I, I think the, the jury's still out. We're, we're going to learn. Um, but I, I look at – I visited with him. I, I interviewed with him out in media day. You know, we always – you get 55 minutes and you try to make as much as – you've covered a million those media days. You, you get right. 55 minutes and you're trying to float. I waited about seven minutes to interview uh, T-Rob, and I walked away, and I could send you the audio. I was as impressed with him as any coach. I mean, it almost reminded me a lot of Burton Burns, just that veteran mm-hmm. leadership. But sitting there talking with him was – I was literally blown away just by the way that he said certain things, the way that he addressed, you know, we, we talked a lot about Caleb Downs. We talked a lot about the secondary because Alabama's secondary was much better with him than it was with Pete Golding uh, last year at defense coordinator. And, and I think we're going to find out that T-Rob had a bigger role. I know Lane Kiffin likes to troll a lot, but I think T-Rob had a bigger role than maybe what we're letting on in Tuscaloosa. Something did not seem right. And remember when Lane Kiffin said, I think T-Rob is calling the plays. I don't think that's Kevin Steele. You know, the more I get to thinking about that, I don't think that was Lane Kiffin trolling. I think he had truly heard something, you know, in that coaching staff. So I think T-Rob is a brilliant coach. I think he's a great recruiter. Um, You know, but think about when you've got a Kirby Smart as your head coach, if there's something that you need assistance with, you guys have got plenty, plus Glenn Schumann's there. Um, I mean, you know, when you think about defensive side of the football, regardless if he needs help or not, uh, I think he'll be just fine. Is Muschamp going to stay around? Well, he's, he's staying in an analyst role. I was talking about in the first segment, he's got a son going into Nashville, and there's some talk that, you know, that he's nearing retirement or semi-retirement. But, again, that that's why that analyst role is is so fantastic. Um, you know, to me, I, I think Muschamp, you know, that's actually what he came here for, if you remember. And then there was some, yeah. some issues, um, you know, with Scott. So uh, that's why I pitched the Pruitt thing, because I said this is the perfect role for a guy, a guy that loves Alabama football, by the way. And that, and that to me is what's missing. And I guess my parting thoughts here, Ryan, um, it, it, from the outside in, it looks a lot like Brian Harson. And, and I've said, now, what if Harson would have beaten Alabama in 2021? What if, what if uh, Bryce Young doesn't have that miraculous 97-yard drive and the tide wins? What if Auburn wins that game? Is it a different story for Brian Harson, even though he didn't get along with Bobo and even though Derek Mason left? Was Auburn close with that? It was an out-of-the-box hire. Do you take any cautionary tale when we're comparing Brian Harson, ultra successful coach at Boise State, versus another guy who's come from out west in Kalen DeBoer? I don't. I don't. I really don't. I, I think there's a lot of difference there. You know, when I think about, I mean, look at Kirby Smart. I mean, who could have predicted what he's been able to do at Georgia? Really, if you think about Kalen DeBoer coming to Alabama, 
he's probably got more credentials than what Kirby Smart when he left Alabama and went to Athens. So, I mean, think about what the wins, right? I mean, and so there's a risk, anything. I mean, listen, unless you're going to go get Kirby or you're going to go get Sark, but even with those guys, I mean, there's a risk there when you think about, so there wasn't another Nick Saban that you could say, hey, let me go get Nick Saban's brother and he's going to you know, just take over. And But, but I, I think about, you know, there's always a risk that, you know, who's going to fit in. But I, I think I've covered a lot of press conferences. I did not cover Mike DeVos' introduction. You missed it. I was there. You missed that. We just yeah. missed each other. So, but I did cover the exit. I covered the, you know, the exit uh, side of things. <laughs> I covered Fran being announced, Coach Fran. I covered Mike Shula, excuse me, Mike Price. Then I covered Mike Shula. I've covered Nick Saban. And now I covered Kalen DeBoer. And you always want to win the press conference. I thought he won it. I thought he knocked a home run out of the park. And even the one that was not in the media room where they took us to another q and I'm sitting there going, man, he said a lot of the right stuff. And he showed respect for Coach Saban. But I think the, the part of believing in yourself, to be able to say, I'm willing to follow Nick Saban. You realize how much confidence you've got to have in your own ability to go, I'm not going to back down. That's why I always thought Lane Kiffin would have been the perfect candidate because he would be willing to follow Nick Saban. And that was half the battle. The more I get to know Kalen the board, the more I've talked to people out in Washington, he has confidence in his skill set. Um, and, hey, you know, he did a lot with a, with a lot less when you think about the talent level at Washington to, to put them in the national championship game, to be able to beat Texas the way they did. So in they one did. way, uh, you know, I, I, is there always, there's always a risk. Uh, we could be sitting here this time next year and, you know, it collapses. But when I look at Caleb DeBoer, uh, there's a lot of reasons to be it, – it's almost like a re-energized here in Tuscaloosa. I'm not saying that Coach Saban was losing energy, but there just seems to be that cloud that was hanging over the program of, like, when's he going to retire? When's he going to retire? When's he going to retire? Well, now that question is gone, right? You, you don't have to answer that question. So you look at Kalen DeBoer, if he is able to be successful at his age, you, you think, man, you know, think about these battles that, you know, if Alabama is able to maintain this standard, plus Les Miles rode the – Nick Saban foundation to a national title. That's a good uh, point. That's a good point. 49 I mean, years old, Kalen DeBoer. And uh, boy, Ryan, you are you have spun this about as good and as happy as anybody that I've heard talk about this. This is why you're so good on radio, right? I love it. Well, I have a lot of fun. I have a lot of fun. So is, is the Georgia fans, are they mad at me? Is that what you're Oh, doing? no, they love you, man. They, they're, they're, I love they're, them, too. I they're mean, digging I, deeper. They're going to go back and watch film to see just, you know, maybe this guy's right. Maybe Jeremy Pro I'm sure they're just so happy right now. Uh, I, listen, I, I, if Kalen DeBoer can teach Jalen Milrow not to cross the line of scrimmage when he throws the football, he could be – and, you know, the thing of it was, I was at that Auburn game. And Milrow at times looked so good in that game and at other times made you pull your hair out if you're an Alabama person. But against Georgia, he was near flawless. He was poised. He was cool. He was the 30-yard run, the fourth down pass, the conversions, no mistakes, no fumbles. He was better than Carson Beck in that game, in that game, not overall, but in that particular instance, he played really well. Then the Michigan pressure came. And the Milrow miracle turned into the Milrow meltdown. And 
Alabama was out. I really think they would have won the national title if they'd won. So, that. so just to add this to it, okay? Because I'm gonna, I'm gonna say something. This is probably gonna really irritate the Georgia fans. Oh no! But if, if I looked at Alabama, this was not a very good football team. I agree. I don't know how they beat Georgia. I honestly do not know. Because when I look back at that game, this Alabama team reminded me nothing of really Alabama. Like, yeah, I mean, think about all the crap they said with this lank, let all the naysayers know. You you got Jalen Milrow calling out Bill O'Brien out in California. You got – they just didn't sound like an Alabama team. And I know that sounds crazy. Maybe that's why, you know, it's interesting. I was talking with Steve Spur the other night about this Nick Saban retirement. And, and I, I can't keep Ryan here all night, folks, so I'll just finish up here. And, and I asked him, when you're a legend, how do you know when it's time to go? And, and Coach Spurrier, who, who in the middle of the season left um, because he wanted his assistants to have a chance to keep their jobs, but also because he said he couldn't connect to the team. He, he just didn't have that connection with the team that he'd always had. Um, interestingly enough, I talked to Jeremy Pruitt a few nights later, and, you know, he goes, yeah, he goes, we beat him pretty good at Georgia. Uh, he goes, but he goes, you know, you need to let coach know. And I don't know if it's going to make him feel any better or not. He said, but we knew every single play, whether they were running or passing, because their left tackle was tipping it off. And we were run blitzing on runs and we were dropping on passes. We knew every single play, run or pace, and make sure Coach Spurrier – and I still haven't told him that. I don't know if that's going to make the ball coach feel any better, just to be honest with you, just knowing how he is. you know. But, um, but I wonder if Nick Saban, to your point, you said he tried to be a little bit cooler and a little bit nicer, and if part of him just said, I can't, I can't do this. This just is not me. I just can't be this happy birthday, birthday cake guy and, and calm. That's just not Nick. If, like you said, it just didn't look like the Nick Saban. He wasn't able to coach like we've always seen him coach. And I wonder if maybe the tide, to your point, lost a little bit of an edge, right? And, and as for George, it was we talk, we've talked about it here on a program and on our programming. It was a tired Georgia team. The November stretch, three top 25 teams in a row and a, and a, and a nest full of angry yellow jackets on the road. That, that was a tough lead in. They looked tired and Bowers couldn't, couldn't, didn't have his breakaway and McConkie didn't have fifth gear and, and, and Beck didn't have anyone to throw to because of that Alabama secondary being so good. And, and the tide did a better job up front where Mike Bobo could get him in third and two, but couldn't execute. And then and then the turnovers, missed field goal, an underthrown ball by Beck to a wide-open Arian Smith. It's three points instead of seven. The little things added up, and Bama played a clean game. And ultimately, uh, that's good coaching. They won the turnover battle. They won special teams. The, their quarterback didn't make the mistakes. And um, that just goes to show you, sometimes the best team doesn't win. And yet still, it was an Alabama team that made the college football playoff. Ryan, I'm going to let you get back at it. I know you probably won over a lot of new fans tonight uh, on Twitter. <laughs> Don't be too hard on Ryan, folks. He's one of the nicest guys in the business. He's very good at what he does. We will bring him back for more. Uh, the human pinata tonight, though. But, uh, Ryan, thank you so much for joining me on the program. And anytime I can come on your show in Tuscaloosa, uh, more than happy to be back on the air at 100.9. Well, I love, I love to pick your brain and, you know, it's freezing cold here. We're uh, we're gonna go down to like 17 degrees tonight. So maybe maybe my my takes were even colder than the air outside air. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe that was part. We're actually expecting freezing rain. So 
it's not a chamber of commerce type week. You know, we, we, you know, Caleb DeBoer comes out of the Pacific Northwest and we're promising him like warmer weather and we're going to have like freezing rain tonight. We're, we're expected to have maybe Caleb DeBoer brought that weather with him. Ryan Fowler, my good friend, always enjoy visiting with you coming up next. It's the who's hot and who's cold segment. It's brought to you by anytime heating, cooling, and plumbing. This is the on the beach show. I'm Mike Griffith on dog nation. Anytime heating, cooling, and plumbing. Our family has been making sure Georgia fans and their families are comfortable for over 20 years. Let us do the same for yours. Anytime. Service, repairs, and replacement with trained systems. Our trained comfort specialists are carefully selected to visit your home and offer you a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Anytime offers an annual three-visit comfort plan starting at just $155. Visit anytimehvac.com for details. Anytime. Large enough to take care of your heating, cooling, and plumbing, but small enough to care. Welcome back to the program, Mike Griffith here. Segment went much longer uh, with Ryan than I'd planned, but I, I do enjoy visiting with him, folks. He is a wonderful guy. You can tell he's got a tremendous disposition. I know that a lot of people disagreeing with Ryan on his take there, but you know what? That's the lens from Tuscaloosa. Um, everybody has a different perspective, and of course, people in Tuscaloosa uh, there's there's probably a little bit of jealousy right now uh, with Kirby Smart going into his ninth season. I mean, I just can't imagine a coach uh, with a better foundation than what Kirby has. And as I said at the start of the show, uh, Traveris Robinson, this is an incredible hire. This isn't a good hire. This is an incredible hire. And this is a guy that Kirby's been after before. Um, this is a guy that was an all-SEC safety at Auburn and played in the league for two years. That's a lot of credibility with his players. This is a guy that developed two cornerbacks in Alabama this year, both projected in the first round. That's something that hadn't even happened at, at Georgia. Think about that. Um, this is a guy that was the defensive coordinator under Will Muschamp the last time Georgia lost a home game. Uh, T-Rob was over there calling the D. So this is a proven coach, 42 years old absolute peak of his career and he had to make a decision uh, to be the Alabama guy and be the only coordinator on two million a year or to come to Georgia and split those duties learn a little bit more what's a better launch point where does he got a better chance of being hired now remember this is a guy that knows the Alabama personnel so it's a bird in the hand versus two in the bush and he said you know what I'm sure coach Muschamp uh, you know who was his mentor I'm sure Will said hey look this is going to be a great deal for you um, Glenn Schumann's going to be a head coach in the next two or three years. You're going to be the guy. And you may even be a head coach yourself in the next two or three years. So I think this is a huge, huge hire. So we talked about hot and cold takes. I'm going to get to a super hot Georgia schedule next year. But this is the coldest take. Uh, it, was co it was cold for Florida State to give Mike Norvell almost a $3 million raise, folks. He just lost 63 to three. Has there ever in the history of the world been somebody that got a $3 million raise after losing a game or having a performance on par with 63 to three? Three million of 7.3. Let me do the math. Is that almost 40%? You get a 40% raise? I know there's some mathematicians out there with calculators. Get to it. Do the math for me. Divide three by 7.3 and tell me what you get. Maybe 30-some percent. A $3 million raise after you lose 63 to three? And, oh, by the way, you just had a recruiting sanction? You just got caught cheating in recruiting, trying to pay a Marius Mims uh, or get an NIL deal set up with him before he'd sign with you? 
So let me let's go right down the list here. You had uh, nine of your guys quit on the team. Well, that's some real team chemistry there, coach. Uh, you just had a major NCAA violation. It should have been a level one. You got away with level two, but it was a level one because the university knew it was committing. Your defense, or excuse me, your offensive coordinator suspended like three games. That's not good. And you lost 63 to three, the worst loss in school history and in bowl history. But we're going to give you a $3 million raise uh, because somebody said you might go to Alabama. Like Ryan said, didn't get the offer. He was never going to get that offer. This is incredibly cold. I mean, this is just cold. Florida State, you're desperate. And, and I know I've upset some Florida State people saying that I didn't want to hear the pity party, saying I didn't want the victimhood. I didn't want to hear any of that going to the bowl game. But you know what it did do is it made me appreciate Georgia and Kirby Smart culture that much more. I was talking with Kendall Milton's dad today, Chris Milton, and we were talking about Kendall after the SEC championship game. And this is where it all started. I went over to Kendall Milton after the minutes after the SEC championship game. He literally still has his uniform on. And I said to Kendall, I said, are you going to play in the bowl game? We, we, we didn't know where they were going. We didn't know what was going to happen. I said, if they don't make the playoff, are you going to play in the bowl game? And Kendall said, I am not going to abandon my brothers. He said, I have been through so much with these guys. I, I will absolutely play every chance I get with them. And then I went over to Cedric Van Pran. And Van Pran heard what, what Milt said and said, you know, that's the plan. We'll think, you know, we're going to do some talking about it. And then I went to Tyke Smith. And Tyke said, yeah, we're, you know, I'm going to. And, and, the, and the Georgia players started talking. And they opted in. They decided, you know what, this team did not win a third national title in a row. The win streak did just stop. But they were going to go out together. Amari Smims was at the game. Injured, wasn't able to play. Brock Bowers is at the game, injured, wasn't able to play. Georgia went out as a team. And I think that was such a great story. And I know it didn't get covered. I know a lot of the national media didn't talk about that because it wasn't a playoff game. But to me, that was one of the best endings of a season. And, and I got to tell you, Kirby, his teams end, they really end well. I, I mean, I, I think about this ending – Obviously, the two national championships were incredible. But think about the Peach Bowl. You had guys missing practice with COVID. Uh, James Cook wasn't there because of the passing of his father. Um, you know, Kenny McIntosh had to step up. JT had to bring him down from, what, 11, 10, or 11 points behind. Pat Lesney had to kick a 54-yarder. That was an undefeated Cincinnati team, by the way, right? Uh, they knocked them off. That was a great – the year before against Baylor – what an incredibly tough year that was. All the injuries all year long. Uh, and Jake throws for like 159 or 157 yards to Pickens in the first half. Uh, that was They weren't supposed to beat Baylor. That was Baylor's best team ever. Um, and that was a remarkable finish to the season. So uh, 20 straight wins for Kirby now when he has more than a week to prepare. And, yes, they do have a bye week before the Alabama game. That brings me to the hot segment. When I look at next year's schedule, you heard what Ryan Fowler said. Uh, Ryan said he thought that Georgia's on top and it's not even close. He thinks Georgia is much higher than everyone else. Um, I don't know that I'm as convinced of that. I think there's work to be done uh, because in the words of Kirby Smart, they're not practicing to beat one team. They're practicing to beat everybody. 
And that is going to be a really, really difficult schedule for the dogs. And now there's a 12-team playoff. You know, if you don't win the league, you have to win four postseason. Think about that. Four postseason games. you got the SEC title game, and then you've got, uh, let's just say Georgia doesn't win the SEC championship, just for the, the sake of argument. Uh, you've got the 5-12 game, the 6-11, uh, the 7-10, the 8-9. Then you got the second round. You know, where one plays the highest seed and two, and then you got another run. It's so much. It is such a journey that it's really a tournament sport now. And there's no way to know who's going to be good. Like just this year, you know, the Georgia that we saw play Alabama, that wasn't Georgia's best. They were tired. Okay. And the schedule caught up with them. They didn't catch a break. As it turned out, the schedule wasn't good. Um, having to play uh, top 10 Missouri, having to play a top 12 Ole Miss, having to play a top 25 Tennessee on the road, having to play that Georgia Tech team. All those teams won their bowl games. All those teams were on the rise, and Georgia was just tired. They were just tired. They, they I said they expired. 29 wins in a row caught up. 29. SEC record. Never been done. History. Think about that. Um, so they were tired. They got work left to do. Toughest game next year, I believe, at Texas. I think at Texas is the toughest game of the 2024 season. I think Texas is the most likely team to beat Georgia in 2024 because of their past game. Uh, Isaiah Bond's there. Ewers is there. I saw what they did against Alabama and Tuscaloosa. Most all of their offensive line is back. Can Georgia outscore them on the road? Um, that's going to be a really tough game. I think the second toughest game is at Alabama. I, I do agree that there's still a lot of talent there. There's going to be a lot of confidence. There's going to be a lot of pressure on the tide. I believe that's their SEC opener. Um, Georgia will have already played Kentucky. That's going to be a physical game. Um, at Alabama, second. Third toughest at Old Miss. It, it's a little bit of a snake pit there, a smaller stadium. Been a minute since Georgia's been there. Kirby lost there last time. You remember Hugh Freeze was the head coach back in 2016, and it wasn't that close. Uh, Ole Miss has done really well through the portal. Uh, it will be in November, so depth could be a factor for the Rebels. Kirby's teams have a tendency to get better. Um, I think at Kentucky is the fourth toughest. These are four road games. Uh, Brock Vandergriff's there, and guess what? He knows your offense, and he knows your defense. And I think Brock Vandergriff is a whale of a quarterback. Um, I think Kentucky is going to be sneaky good next year. I think playing in Lexington in September, it's early in the year. Kentucky will be fresh. There won't be a lot of attrition yet. Um, typically, they're not as deep as other teams. And when you get them later, they're missing people. You're getting them early. That could be a tough game. Fifth toughest game, Clemson. Uh, this ain't your old Clemson. This is not the Clemson of uh, 2021 uh, that had the number two defense in the nation. Um, this is a different Clemson. They're not as talented. They're still good. Uh, it is a neutral site game. It is the opener. Next toughest game, home game with Tennessee. I expect Josh Heupel and Tennessee to be very good next year. Uh, maybe not as good as two years ago, but better than last season. And the next toughest game, Auburn and Hugh Freeze. What is it about Hugh Freeze? He's like that left-hander out of the bullpen that throws a screwball. He just coaches the game really well uh, against Kirby. Um, he's a guy that's very creative with his offense. The Tigers had more than 200 yards rushing against Georgia uh, last season. That game went deep into the fourth quarter, and you needed Brock Bowers. There's no Brock Bowers. There's no Captain America uh, next season. We're still waiting to find out 
Who's going to be the go-to guy? No lad McConkey, explosive element, missing the explosive element, missing the go-to third down receiver. Georgia coaches have to get that for Carson Beck to be at his best, and I believe to win a national championship. That's how I'm going to close. I'm going to keep an eye on the portal. I'm going to keep looking for Georgia to get another dynamic receiver, whether it's now, whether it's after the spring. Maybe somebody emerges from within the team. Uh, maybe Dylan Bell takes the next step or uh, Anthony Ev. I love it. Somebody's got to take the next step because right now um, I'm looking real hard for Georgia to find a go-to receiver. ETN is huge. But I think George is still one receiver shy of what they need to win a national championship in 2024. But the dogs are going to be in the playoff. They're going to be barking. They're going to beat Alabama. They beat Alabama for Traveris Robinson, Kirby one, DeBoer zero. Thanks for joining me tonight, Kaylee Manzel. Tremendous production. Don't forget, every day, 10 a.m., it's Brandon Adams and Dog Nation Daily. And then on Wednesday nights, Jeff Centel comes at you before the hedges. Thursday night, Kaylee Manzel, Connor Riley doing a little programming for you on Thursday night. I want everybody to have a wonderful week. Try not to be too hard on Ryan Fowler. I'll be back next week here on the On the Beach Show.